that. Amen. Uh, I do have something tonight that I feel on my heart, uh, something that just I've been praying and thinking about this service. I want to share with you, if you would, uh, I want to just talk for a little bit tonight about the intercessor. Would you say that with me? The intercessor. Amen. When I was a boy, uh, growing up, I grew up in Minnesota, southern Minnesota. How many's ever been to Minnesota? Anybody here? Any Minnesotans here? I've met a few people from Minnesota. They're kind of closet Minnesotans, praise God. Here in California, they're like, hey, man, what's going on, dude? And you're like, I'm from Minnesota. They're like, oh, yeah, how you doing? Okay, yeah, well, everything. No, I'm teasing. They, they, no. <laughs> Amen. But when I was a kid growing up, I'm the second of nine children, best looking one out of all them, so I'm told. But at growing up in this family, uh, there were times when we would get in trouble and we would do things that were, uh, my dad would say things to us. He'd say, you kids, get out and go outside. I don't want you in the house. I want you to go out and do something constructive. How many of your parents ever said that to your kid? Quit plunking around on your little tablets and iPhones. Go out there and go do something out in the yard. They're knocking on the door. I'm bored. But back in the day when my dad said go do something constructive, we'd go out and go in the garage and get his tools, get all kinds of things. We'd start fires. We'd cook things. We were having a great time. We had these bows and arrows, just shoot them straight up in the air. Amazing we're even alive today. Praise God. But sometimes we would fight and carry on. And I remember times when my dad would come into the room with a stick that he called the translator. Because it would translate tall tales into the truth in just a matter of moments. My dad believed in capital punishment. And I can show you the scars to prove it. No, I'm just, I won't. I'm no, I, we don't have that. He wasn't like that. He didn't beat us, praise God. But he did believe in disciplining us and thank the Lord for that. Praise God. He taught us that there's some things that you shouldn't do, and if you do it, there are consequences. And I thank the Lord for that. Praise God. And, and so I remember him coming into the room to mete out the discipline that was needed. And he was the kind of guy, he would just kind of spank first and ask later. You know, it was kind of. And I remember times when my siblings would say, hold on, Dad. They didn't do anything. Don't, don't, don't get them in trouble. It, it was Sam that did it. David didn't do anything. He's just sitting there in his cowboy boots and big belt buckle. He didn't do anything wrong. It was Sam that did it. And so David was spared the punishment that Sam deserved. And it was the cry that would come forth from someone who knew the truth, from someone who had compassion, from someone who saw that judgment was about to fall on that particular person. It was the cry of the intercessor. Someone who will stand up for you and plead your cause. It's the voice of the intercessor that makes changes in a situation. Folks, we need intercessors in this last day. We've got enough people that 
will meddle and accuse and and constantly try to bicker and fight. But we need people that will say, God, I want to make a difference in this world. I want to see souls saved. I want to see the lost reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over 6,000 people are dying every day in the United States. And there are many that are filled with false hope from secular Christianity. Many people that are seeking for more. Many people whose marriages are ending in divorce. The pain that I see in families is overwhelming at times. And over the last 10 years, the death rate from drug overdoses has begun rising. Folks, people are searching for something to fill the void in their hearts. How many of us have talked to somebody that said, you know what? I I want to believe in God. I wish that I could just go back and start all over again. My friend, we are living in a world that is in need of the intercessor. That is in need of somebody to call their name in prayer and call out to a God who has come to seek and save that which was lost. It was Job in Job chapter 1 and verse 5 that offered up sacrifices for his children. It says, and it was so, verse 5, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Here is a man that was a righteous man, a godly man, a man who knew how to cry out to the Lord for his family. Folks, we need people in this day that will cry out for their families. We need moms and dads and and grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins that will say, God, would you save my family? God, would you protect my family? Would you keep your hand upon my family? I've met people and, and I've talked to parents And uh, sometimes in youth ministry, you're talking to parents and you hear the frustration in their voice as they say, I just can't do anything. I can't talk to them anymore. I can't deal with them. There's nothing I can do. You know what? There is something we can do, and that is to call their name in prayer. My friend, God can do a work in that child's life. God can minister into their spirit. God can reach down and change the hardest of hearts. Praise God. When I was a boy, I used to hear my grandfather pray. And he went to ABI and he heard Brother S.G. Norris. And I've I've heard some tapes of him praying. And he would pray like this. He'd almost sing his prayers. I mean, you know somebody like that. He'd say, oh, Lord, God, we need you. Lord, I pray for my children. I pray for my grandchildren. And we'd always listen because he would call every one of our names. He would go down the list and he would call our names. And what a sweet sound it was to hear my grandfather calling out my 
name in prayer. Folks, there's somebody that prayed for you. There's somebody, a mom or a dad or a family member, and maybe somebody in this room tonight, you are here because a parent prayed you through. You're here because a mom or a dad or a grandparent called out your name. Aren't you thankful that we can intercede for our families? Aren't you thankful that there's still an opportunity every one of us can have to cry out for our families? It was Abraham that interceded not just for a family, but he interceded for a city. Genesis 18 and 20, the Lord said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come unto me. Apparently cities can cry out with their wickedness. And so he said, I'm going to find out. And if it's not true, he said, I'm going to know it. It was a cry of wickedness, a cry of impending doom. There was judgment that needed to come. And the Bible said, verse 22, that the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. God had visited Abraham in the form of these angelic beings. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And the Bible said in verse 23 that Abraham drew near. How do you draw near to God? was in his attitude, in his actions, in his heart, in his spirit. There was something in him that rose up and said, Will you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? There was a great cry that came out of the city. But there was also another cry that got the attention of God. And that was the cry of righteous Abraham. And we know that Abraham called out to the Lord and said, God, would you spare the city for ten people? And God said, I will spare the city. You see, it was not God's will to destroy the city. He wanted to save it. And he said, I'm trying to find somebody that will lift up their voice for the city. I wonder if there's somebody in this room tonight that God is coming by and saying, look what's happening. Look at the cry of this city. Look at how bad things are. And you might say to people, you know what? This city's going, this city's going down. This is a terrible place to live. Look at all the sin and destruction. Look at all the bad things that are happening. And yet the Lord has put that in front of you and said, will you cry out? Will you lift up your voice? Will you have a burden? Will you call out? My name over this city. Praise God. Praise God. Can we cry out for people who are lost? Can we cry out for people who are bound in wickedness and in darkness? Praise God. I was, <laughs> my wife and I were uh, preaching at a church one time, and this. This man came up and he called out a certain religious uh, a, a affiliation, very, uh, very uh, violent and very many things in this particular religious belief that is not at all of God. And he said, boy, I wish we could just get rid of these people. And he called the name of these people. I wish we could just get rid of them. My wife said, excuse me? He said, well, or save them, I guess. As if that was the second option. 
Folks, I don't want to have that kind of a mentality with the city. I want to say, God, I know there's wickedness. I know there's brokenness. But, Lord, I know you're a big God. And I know you can save. I know you can deliver. I know you can heal. I know you can set people free. Folks, aren't you thankful somebody reached for you and I? Aren't you thankful somebody called your name when you were lost and you were broken and you were in sin and you were in wickedness? Praise God. I thank God for the cries that can come forth and make a difference in our communities. Folks, we need to look at each other and say, you know what? I may be the only thing standing between God's judgment in somebody's life. What a sobering thought. What a great responsibility we have. I don't believe God's laid it on our heart to to win every soul in the world. I don't believe we need to, to bear that kind of burden and, and always crying and weeping and sobbing. Folks, there's joy living for God. There's joy in walking with the Lord. We have a testimony that Jesus can change lives, but somebody has to speak up. Somebody has to lift up their voice. And who better to lift up their voice than those that know the name of Jesus can change you. The power of God can deliver you. It was Moses in Exodus 32 that lifted up his voice on behalf of the children of God. Verse 9, the Lord said unto Moses, I've seen this people, and behold, it's a stiff-necked people. You know what a stiff-necked person is? It's like when, you know, your wife asks you a question, you know, does this dress make me look fat? And you're like, ah. You might experience a stiff-necked wife. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, <laughs> amen. Thank you. You got one amen. Praise God. Don't want to do anything you want to do. All of a sudden, it's chilly in the room. I'm not going with you. You go on by yourself. A stiff-necked people. He said, now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them. And Moses, I'll make of you a great nation. Verse 11, and Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot? Why are you angry with your people, which you've brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from off the face of the earth? Lord, turn from thy fierce wrath. And repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest, or you promised that by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And in all this land that I have spoken will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Bible said the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. And Psalm 106.23 says, therefore, he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Moses stood between God and the people and said, Lord, would you spare the people? 
Don't, don't hurt the people. God, remember the promises of your people. Folks, I wonder if God at times would call upon us to intercede for each other. To pray for one another. You know, Moses could have said, yeah, go ahead. Let them go. Let them be lost. Let them be destroyed. Boy, you're going to make of me a great nation. Well, this is, hey, you get rid of all those guys, I can have the promises. I can have the land. I can inherit everything. But there was something in this man that said, no, that's not what needs to happen. God, you're, you're, don't do this. Don't, don't give us a bad name. Lord, remember your promises. Remember what you said. I wonder if there's somebody in this room that needs a brother or a sister to stand in the gap for them. I wonder if there's somebody in this room tonight. Have you ever had an experience where you just said, Lord, I wonder if anybody's praying for me. I'm going through this situation. I'm going through these struggles. I'm dealing with these things. God, is there anybody that is praying for me? I can tell you, folks, as a minister, I can tell you this, that I know what it is like to go through problems and trials and things that have broken my life and, and hurt me and wounded me and to go for two or three years without anybody praying for me. Well, you're the preacher. You're supposed to pray for everybody else. But everybody needs somebody. And some people, you may, some people may look at you and say, well, you're spiritual, man. You ought to be praying for, look at you, you're praying for everybody else, everybody else. But you know what? You never know what people are going through in their lives. We need a sensitivity in our hearts to say, God, let me, let me pray for others. Let me have an intercessor spirit that would bless others and pray for somebody who might be hurting or broken or wounded in the church. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and just thank the Lord for that. Say, God, let me be that intercessor. Let me be that one that can bless somebody else. Let me be that one that is sensitive to the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know why God places such a value on the intercessor? It's because God cares about God cares about people. He was getting ready to bring judgment upon the nation of Israel in Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. He said, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Here was a nation that had become so corrupt that there was no one to stand between God and man. No one. No one. Not one person. Folks, some of us may say to ourselves, well, I'm just, maybe I'm just a new convert, or maybe I'm just one person. How valuable are my prayers? Do they even make a difference? Does it even matter in the kingdom of God? You know, the enemy likes to tell us your prayers. No, that, that doesn't matter. You're, you're a nobody. God's not going to answer your prayers. They don't have any value. Your, your prayers don't matter in the long run. It does. It does. But folks, when God's looking for just one voice, just one voice, 
Just one voice. You could be the voice for your generation. You could be the voice for your city block. You could be the voice for your community that God is saying, I need somebody to bridge the gap. I need somebody, just one intercessor that can cry out to God on behalf of others because God is wanting to save the lost and reach them. Aren't you thankful for the ultimate intercessor, Jesus Christ, who came to bridge the gap for you and I? And how did He do it? He hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do my friends in first john 2 and 1 the scripture says my little children these things write i unto you that ye sin not and if any man sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous are you thankful tonight that jesus is our intercessor that he has cried out to the father on behalf of you and i Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The job of the advocate, the job of the intercessor is to stand up for the cause of justice and the client's well-being in the courtroom. My friend, Jesus is standing in your corner tonight. Jesus is on your side tonight. Jesus is coming into this room in a special way, and I believe He's going to manifest His presence in a powerful way tonight to speak to somebody. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm walking with you. You feel lonely, but I'm with you. You feel discouraged, but I am with you. You feel like life is over and it's hopeless, but I am with you. I want you to know, my friend, the Holy Ghost comes alongside of us, for Jesus said He's going to be the comforter. It's going to be the comforter. Oh, aren't you thankful for the power of the Spirit? Aren't you thankful that Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He said, I will come to you. Aren't you glad we can throw our hands in the air and say, Jesus, I need you. Lord, I need your power to move in my life. And the power, the Spirit begins to flow into the house. Thank God for his power. Hallelujah. You are going to be a help to somebody. I feel like there's people in this room tonight that God is speaking to you and saying it's time to step up to the plate. It's time to lift up your voice. It's time to come into somebody's life and help somebody. Praise God. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and just talk to Him for just a moment. Lord, we love You today. We thank You, God, for Your goodness. We thank You, Lord for your love. We thank you, God, for your kindness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit. We thank you, God, that you want to move in our lives and use every person in this room in a very special way. Hallelujah. Oh, do you feel that tonight? Do you feel something stirring in your heart? Do you feel the Holy Ghost beginning to draw you and move in your heart and your life? Let's just surrender to the Lord for a minute. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we love You. Lord Jesus, we call upon You right now.
Praise God. Jesus painted a picture of a shepherd in Luke 15 and 4. He said, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Hallelujah. There's a joy that comes when you find a sheep. He was talking about the Father and His love for us and His goodness to us and His seeking after the souls of men. But aren't you thankful that we can participate in that? Aren't you thankful we can participate in the Father's love for the lost? Aren't you thankful that we can rejoice along with the Father when one sinner comes to repentance? Aren't you thankful that when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth His life for the sheep, that we know He's already done the work He's already given His life. He's already paid the price. And now we can participate. We can go in His name. We can go in faith knowing that the Lord is going to do the work. That when I pray, miracles are going to happen. When I reach for someone, something can happen. When I preach and teach the Word, when I get around a Bible study, God can do the work because God is wanting to rejoice over His sheep. I remember hearing the story. Now, folks, I grew up in Pentecost. I used to listen to all the preaching tapes. How many know about those preaching tapes? I used to listen to all kinds of preaching. I loved it. I used to listen to the urchins, and he'd say, Oh, praise the Lord, everybody. I want Jean to come here and sing a song. And she'd say, Well, what do you want to sing, baby? I remember hearing, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Charlie Mahaney, but he'd say, Hallelujah, this is Charlie Mahaney. Hallelujah. Walking down the streets of Jerusalem last week eating a bucket of fried chicken. Hallelujah. Ran out of chicken, so I started eating the bucket. Hallelujah. I used to listen to Jeff Arnold. He'd say, how you doing, you bunch of slime bags? He'd say, I'm going to save you 42 years of Bible school with this next statement. Before there was golf balls, how did they measure hail? No, anyway, that was just. And I used to listen to Harry Sism. I don't know if you know Harry Sism. He'd say, praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. And Brian Kinsey said, now let me tell you something. You might not even understand what you're doing in the house tonight, but I want you to know there's revival in our midst. And I'd listen to guys. I don't know if y'all ever heard of Johnny Cash. Anyway, no, I won't go into that one. Praise God. I keep a close way. Anyway, praise God. You don't know who that is. Amen. I used to listen to all. I used to love listening to preacher. Merle Ewing, I don't know if you ever heard of him. But he said, just an old rejected relic. Sitting on an auction block, how they decided to throw me away. <laughs> and I listen. I'd listen to all kinds of preaching. I used to love singing. Sister Vesta, she'd be like, "Gerald, Gerald." Tell him about Alexander. And he said, oh, that's exactly right. Hello, the old devil's a lying devil. Every day, every day, I pray him out of the devil. 
And then you'd have Terry Shockey's, and that, that's exactly right. Because when, when you, 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 if you're going to live for God, just don't be an idiot. That, that's all there is to it. And then one of my favorites, I don't know if you heard him, his name is Lee Stone King. And he'd come up and he'd say, I want all of you beautiful people to know something here tonight. I don't like you, and you don't like me. But I don't care. I really don't care. Anyway, praise God. But one of my favorites to do is Charlie Mahaney. Now, Charlie Mahaney was a rough dude when he got saved. And I've heard him, I've heard him preach and, and tell stories and and I liked to impersonate him because he'd say, Hallelujah. I was so ugly growing up. One time I went into a haunted house and came out with an application. Hallelujah. <laughs> so bad they were thinking of moving Halloween to my birthday. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was so poor growing up, somebody broke into our house and we mugged them. Hallelujah. One time I dated a girl, she wasn't too bright. She got stuck in an escalator for three hours and the power went out. And she hated eat M&Ms because they were so hard to peel. Hallelujah. She, she had beautiful long black hair running up and down her back and didn't have any on her head. Hallelujah. Anyway, oh, I'm sorry. That was wrong. That was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, here's the line. I'm sorry. Went too far. <laughs> Folks, is this all right tonight? I hope I'm, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this somewhere. I'm going to bring this somewhere tonight. But you know what? Charlie Mahaney became one of the most well-known evangelists in the United Pentecostal Church. But what a lot of people don't know is before he got saved, Brother Denver Stanford, a pastor in his area, he's out drinking, you know, Mahaney's out drinking and partying, running, doing drugs, motorcycle gang beating people up, fights in jail. And the Lord spoke to Brother Denver Stanford, a pastor. He, he was a soul winner. He loved people. And he would go to his house and say, Charlie, get up. Get up out of the couch, man. You need to get dressed and come to church. And every week he kept going back to his house. Nothing seemed to be happening. This guy, just as, as Jeff Arnold would say, just a slob doing his job. But you know what? The Lord spoke to Brother Stanford. He said, if you'll reach him, I'll save him. If you'll reach him, I'll save him. And it was that pastor, that man of God, that person that loved the lost, that said, Lord, he's valuable enough for me to keep on reaching him. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen right away. Everything didn't always fall into place right at that particular moment, but there was a word from God. There was something that drove him to keep going back and praying and, and reaching and, and teaching and, and growing and working and saying, you know what, things aren't all perfect. Things aren't, aren't exactly the way they should be, but I've got a word from God that if I'll work it, if I'll strive, if I'll pray, if I'll reach, that God will give the increase. My friend, if we will do what God has called us to do, if there will be somebody tonight that would just 
just recommit one more time and say, God, if you'll use me, I will go. God, if you will work in me, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want you to know God can reach somebody through you. And could it be that in 2020, this is your year to fill up a pew with people. And at the end of 2020, you can look back and say, you know what, I don't know how it happened, but God put me into the path of people and he put a burden in my heart. What does God want to do in this church through some intercessors that are sitting on these pews? Who is it that God wants to reach? Maybe it's that family member that's been backslid for 15 years. Antagonistic. Don't want anything to do with God. Hatred. Hating the things of God. You can't even talk to them at Christmas time. They're so far gone. They don't want anything to do with God. And yet all of a sudden, something begins to happen in their relationships. There's chaos and confusion. And all of a sudden, there they are in the altar. And you realize, you know what? That that is an answer to prayer. God has given us an answer to prayer. Folks, 2020 is going to be a year of answered prayers. 2020 is going to be a year that the intercessors are going to see the harvest come to pass. If you believe that, lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, let it be. Lord, let it be. God, use my prayers. God, I want to pray big prayers this year. God, I want to pray big prayers this year. I want to intercede in a big way this year. I want to see the Holy Ghost move in lives and hearts this year. If that's your prayer, I want you to stand to your feet and just lift up your voice for just a moment right now and say, God, let there be a revival in my city. God, let there be a revival in my heart. God, let there be a revival in my family. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I hope somebody's getting a vision tonight. I hope God is lifting you up above where you are. Above the chaos. Above the confusion. Above the job situation. Above all these other things. To say it's time to pray. It's time to reach. It's time to intercede. It's time to stand in the gap for the harvest. I'm going to open these altars tonight. Thank you for those that are coming. Let's take a few minutes in prayer. Let's seek the Lord. Maybe the Lord will put somebody's name on your heart. Let's pray tonight. Let's seek the Lord tonight. Oh, God. Oh, Lord Jesus. We surrender to you. Use me, God. Help me to stand in the gap for somebody. Oh, that's it. Let's pray for our families. Let's pray for our children. Let's pray for our schools. In the name of Jesus. That's all.